Our reading from the Old Testament is drawn from the book of Exodus, beginning at the third verse of chapter 13 and continuing until verse 10. You may read along on page 59 of your pew Bibles. In this passage, Moses is offering a gift of memory for the people of God. He is outlining practices for the community to share that will remind the people of the way our God carries us out of enslavement and into responsible freedom. As we prepare to share communion in memory of our Savior and the witness of 150 years of faithful Presbyterians in Libertyville, let us hear afresh the words of Moses and our call to remember. Hear the word of God. Moses said to the people, Remember this day on which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, because the Lord brought you out from there by strength of hand. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today, in the month of Aviv, you are going out. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your ancestors to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this observance in this month. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a festival to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen in your possession, and no leaven shall be seen among you in all your territory. You shall tell your child on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. It shall serve for you as a sign on your hand and as a reminder on your forehead, so that the teaching of the Lord may be on your lips. For with a strong hand, the Lord brought you out of Egypt. You shall keep this ordinance at its proper time from year to year. This is the end of our reading from the Old Testament. Let us remember and give thanks for the salvation of God. Let's now uh, turn to our New Testament reading, which is drawn today on the day in which we remember all the saints who've gone ahead of us from uh, a letter to the Hebrews. And this is uh, one of the most cherished and well-known verses of Scripture. I'm going to begin reading in the 11th chapter uh, after a long list of people in Scripture and their stories of faith at verse 39 and continue on uh, through verse uh, 13 eventually of chapter 12. Let us now hear the Word of God. Now all these who have gone ahead of us, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees, 
and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. This is the end of our reading from Holy Scripture today. May we honor the gift of faith that we have received from those who have gone ahead of us and carry forward into the future. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I am uh, thinking today about a story you might have heard about a boy who was in the entrance of the church, and as he was standing out there looking at a big plaque with a long list of names, he turned to his mother and said, what are all those names about? And his mother said, well, son, that's the list of the names of all the church members who died in the service. His eyes grew wide as saucers looking up and said, Mother, was that the 9 or the 11 o'clock service? <laughs> Isn't that a fun one? <laughs> well, uh, today we're thinking uh, about these names of the people who've died and gone ahead of us, and the question that the boy puts forward you know, uh, speaks of the fact that we want to know more than just a name. In fact, every name, every person has their own story that they carry with them and that we hold dear and remember. And I know you're bearing those stories in your mind today. I'm so grateful that when I came, our beloved Pastor Emeritus, who's died and gone ahead of us, Charlie Dougherty, shared with me so many stories of this congregation and the love that he had. It helped me to grow and to appreciate things that much more in my ministry with and for this congregation. You know, there is this gift that we are given of a wider family of God, of saints that are beyond our immediate familiarity. I remember experiencing something that I'm sure many parents who've had teenagers in the house know. You know, that moment where you're sitting with them at dinner table and then one of the teenagers says to you, you know, and they name some other adult whom you don't know and you're told how cool they are, you know? And suddenly they're saying, quoting things this other adult has said that you know you had told them three years ago they just weren't listening, you know? This is this natural and good gift that comes by having a wider cloud of witnesses, friends of faith, who hold us together in so many ways. I know in my own life, I was really blessed by a man named Father Tom King. Me, a Presbyterian, blessed by a Jesuit priest at Georgetown University who set me on a good path. Or at UCLA by the campus chaplain Chuck Doak, and his widow has bequeathed me many of the vestments I wear in worship. He sent me into seminary where I met Barbara Cathy who taught me bilingual ministry in Hoboken, New Jersey and now serves as a pastor in Edgewater. I learned about administration from President Tom Gillespie at Princeton Seminary and I learned how to hold myself with calm in a storm from my first head of staff, Jim Anderson. And that's just a few of the pastors that have helped me. There have been so many elders and deacons along the way who have made me a much better parson let alone person, in the course of my life. For a Christian, there is a place of memory that is filled with people who have accompanied us on our journey of life. I want you to just take a minute. We've got some 
pens in front of you, write on your bulletin the name of just even two people who have made a significant influence in your life. Just take a moment now. Once you start collecting those names, the list starts to grow, doesn't it? I hope it does for you. It does for me. But even more, our scripture today suggests that we can discover even wider circles of influence for our lives beyond those we first think about. Our passage begins at the end of chapter 11, with a long list that has been read of all these names of people who have gone ahead of us telling their stories in Holy Scripture. And they are with us. Now friends, all of us have known times in our lives when we feel so very alone. Maybe even forsaken. Sometimes we feel forgotten as if we don't have a name, we're just a number in this world. And for all of us who fall into this place of despair at one time or another, the gift of faith in a community of love is a way to help us remember. I'm deliberately separating that word into parts here to member again, even sometimes to give us a memory that doesn't come out of our own experience but comes from the community of faith. Remember, to put the pieces, the members of our lives together in a meaningful way. I remember one time in my own life when I felt as if everything was just falling apart. It was a moment when the ideals of my youth were confronting some harsh realities that seemed unforgiving and unmovable. I wanted to pick up the pieces of my life, but all I could see were just the shards on the ground. <clears throat> Have you ever known such a time as that? Now, my family wasn't made up of the biggest group of church growers, but we went enough for me to know that the church was one place I could turn when I needed to make some course corrections. And I remember walking into this church near where I lived and hearing a guest preacher by the name of Sam Moffat in the pulpit. Now his father was the first Presbyterian missionary to Korea and he must have done a pretty good job because there are more Presbyterians in Korea than in America today. And Sam was drawing upon his Asian experience and telling us about some beautiful vases, some great Korean urns that were so lovely. And he read to us from the letter of Paul in which Paul describes all of us as being earthen vessels, clay pots. And then he said, uh, on this very day that I was feeling so low and broken, this man said that we may feel as if we are just a broken vessel, just so many pieces of broken clay on the ground, but that God, 
through the love of Jesus Christ, was able to transform our lives into something beautiful made whole by love. Now, years later, I met this man in his retirement. He was given a little carol for study in the library at Princeton Theological Seminary. And over the course of my time there, I'd bump into him, and he was always gracious and kind, giving me some wisdom along the way. Tomorrow I'm going to Princeton Seminary uh, to see the library alongside the co-chair of our anniversary committee, Kirk Ergang, and I'm going to see a place where an acknowledgement for our congregation that has contributed to the building of the new library will be in plain view for future leaders such as I happened to be years ago, and I know you were as well in that library, Kara. I want you to know that when I come to the communion table, memories such as the one I've shared of old Sam Moffat, they come back to me. And I know you have your own story and faces and memories that come back as well. And they put my life back together, and I pray that such memory does for you as well. These people who have died and gone ahead of us, they join us at the table. Moses, in our first reading of Scripture, directed God's people to practice a ritual, to remember their past so that they could savor the blessings of the present and anticipate an even better future. I want you to know, friend, that God has a better future in store for you. I want you to know that God is picking up the pieces of your life and makes us together into something more beautiful than we could ever imagine on our own. I love the way in which Scripture refers to this reality in our passage today. It tells us that all of these heroes of the past, all the people who have influenced us for good, all of the saints, that they would not be complete. I think that's a better translation. In the reading I had today, it said perfect, but this refers to the sense of being made whole. They would not be complete without our company. The beauty of our lives arrives in the gathering. I'm going to say that one more time. The beauty of our lives arrives in the gathering. Now, earlier in our service, we chimed the memory of those freshly baptized into Christ. And at the close of our communion, a bell will toll to remind us that all those we feel we have lost are with us, never lost, when we come to the table of grace. This is where we put the pieces back together. But there's something else taught to us in our scripture today, that when we arrive for this meal, we need to set aside the burdens that weigh us down. Let us lay aside every weight, says our scripture, and the sin that clings so closely to us as well. In that earlier chapter of Hebrews, the people that were listed, those who had their lives recorded in scripture, when you read about their lives, I've got to tell you, friends, they led far from perfect lives. Every one of them was burdened by troubles, afflicted by sin, 
just as clearly as any one of us. But there is a kind of letting go that is necessary in the spiritual life. A letting go for a letting come into the new day that God is planning for us. Last week, um, I met a man who said to me, you know, uh, I don't think very much about theological seminaries. I don't think they prepare us for ministry. Uh, you know, I told you, I'm just going to the seminary tomorrow, and I'm on the board of McCormick, our Chicago seminary. Then he went on to tell me he'd been serving a church for about 21 years as pastor, but about 10 years ago, he came to the board of the church, and he said, I don't want to be a pastor anymore. And I said, well, what's the problem? Well, he said, oh, I've, I'm tired of all these meetings. I'm tired of wearing the suits I've got to wear, all the things on the detail. I'm just done. They said, well, what do you want to do? See, you know, I really want to make a difference in my community. And he was serving a, a community south of Tucson, filled with a bunch of Raytheon aerospace engineers and executives and a bunch of Border Patrol agents. I said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll find people to do that other stuff. Why don't you try and see if you can do some of these things, and we'll do it with you. We'd like to try something fresh. Well, they were of various political opinions, but they didn't like the idea that there were people dying from thirst in the middle of the desert. So they started groups putting tanks of water in the middle of the desert. And they had varying opinions. They didn't want to be involved in anything criminal, but if someone was legally applying for asylum, they were going to help them in that work. In fact, now the word became so strong that <laughs> there were a lot of border agents that joined. One fellow wasn't much of a churchgoer, but he tithed his whole uh, offering his whole salary he tithes it in service of this church and you know this guy who told me that he didn't like theological seminaries much well Yale Divinity School asked him to be the commencement speaker <laughs> at their address okay and they're growing as a church more than 300 people every Sunday are coming he said we get a lot more people doing our work and fewer people coming to worship it's only later that they begin to understand what happens on the inside in worship is part of what goes on outside in our community. He had to let go of something he had been claiming hold of in order to let God allow something in. Now, I know that we are not situated on the border or in the desert, and I know we don't all have the same point of view on the issue of immigration. Heck, I can't get you all to agree on which is the best uh, Big Ten football team, you know? But I do know that God is calling us into a new future. And I want to know if we are committed to give our hearts for the future God wants to bring in. Are we willing to let go of something in order to let come the new world that God wants to demonstrate through our lives together? Friends, this is the time in this anniversary year to make straight our paths when we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses 150 years and centuries after centuries of witness before them so come to the table today join with your sisters and brothers and let what is lame in your life be healed let your savior pick up the pieces 
And together, let God make something beautiful out of us and our lives. Worshiping friends, I want to thank you for your commitment today. You are honoring those who have gone ahead of us. And together, we're made whole by our partnership in the Christian gospel. I deliver this to you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.